the YouTube you know, videos started to do very well and I started to grow this platform. And I started to think to myself, you know, this is teaching people how to do something very skillful. Welcome to the Reality Capture Network, where we focus on technology-driven innovation, education, and community. The Reality Capture Network, bringing the future to you. On this episode of the RCN podcast, the surveying and geospatial technology researcher and content creator, Rami Tamimi. I always gave it 100% with what I had. Uh, it took time and it took dedication. And it took me believing in myself to be able to get to where I got to. We need people to influence the next generation. Yep. We need people to influence those that are working right now and need help figuring out how to use certain tools or how to use certain workflows. The coordinate the projection aspect of it, anything that is not related to the scanning of the data, but management of the data, mm -hmm. because that's what we're known for. At the time, I think every video I had had at least five or 600 views. And then that one video within one week had 100,000 views and within a month had half a million views. You know, it's something to be really proud of that somebody watched your content and was so impacted by your level of influence. And they're probably now doing something that they really enjoy and really love. My goal is to make it accessible and easy to be able to do that research, to be able to find the right drone for your project or find the right scanner for your project. And I, had, I asked him this when I got older. I was like, Dad, like, how did you always have this positive mindset? He goes, if you've got a good attitude about it and you truly believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing, it's inevitable that it's going to work. Today, we're excited to have a guest here in studio, Rami. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. All right. Where'd you join us from? I'm coming from Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. Yes. It was a little bit of a trip, right? We hear <laughs> flying to Boise. Sometimes it's a little bit of a, a lengthy one. You know, you if you want to get here early enough in the day, you got to leave pretty early. That's true. Uh, so I was up today at 5 a.m., which is 3 a.m. Yep. in your time. So, <laughs> uh, But no, I'm here. I'm caffeinated, and I'm, I'm excited to you know be on the show. You know, I think... Uh, I think that shows your level of uh, interest and the passion that you have for, <laughs> you know, our our shared passion in the industry. Oh yeah, uh, you absolutely. Know, a lot of a lot of people don't want to go that extra length. No, I mean to me, if you're not putting in 100% effort into the craft, then you know the you're not going to get 100% results. Yeah. So anytime you want something to work and you want it to work the way you envision it. You got to put in the effort. So uh, I want to be here. I want to talk to you. I want to talk about reality capture. I want to talk about surveying and doing it in person, I think, is the best way to do this. Well, we're glad you joined us. <laughs> and uh, I love starting back in the story of the individual with us. You know, <laughs> a lot of times people want to jump right into the, the industry conversation. But I think there's so much value to be had when you go all the way back into the story of the people in our industry. Like, you know, when we hear the stories of how someone grew up, what did their parents do? Like, what? how did they get exposed to our industry? What led them into it? I think those stories are valuable for us as we look at trying to raise awareness to our industry. And, you know, uh, I, I think it's fun. So I'd love to start back however far you want to go. Uh, yeah, where you grew up and, and what life was like as a kid. Sure, know? yeah. So I'm uh, born and raised in Detroit, um, native Michigander. And uh, really the 
the surveying industry had been, you know, part of my life since I was born. So uh, my dad is actually a surveyor. He's been a surveyor uh, pretty much since he's been here in America. So he uh, basically was in Jordan, um, you know, and he immigrated here with the you know intentions of you know going to school and to learn about civil engineering. Mm. Um, he had gotten his associates in Jordan and wanted to finish his degree here. Uh, when credits didn't transfer, ran into issues with registration, he you know, said, all right, well, I guess I could start working. There wasn't any work for civil engineers. This is like the 1980s. Mm. And uh, they told him, well, we have surveying available for you. So he picked up on surveying and within five or six years, he became a crew chief mm. and uh, continued to work as a surveyor and, you know, got to a point where he realized, you know, hey, I want to move, you know, move further in my career. I'm kind of like stuck right now. So he wanted to become licensed. He wanted to, you know, basically live the American dream of having your own business mm-hmm. and went back to school, got his uh, surveying engineering degree. And uh, when he decided to get licensed, it was 08. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know recession hits. Yep. So, you know, he actually didn't intend on having his own business. He had intended on, you know, becoming like a project manager, you know, being a part of a large firm. But when there was no work and life was very difficult here, uh, he decided, you know, what, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to risk it all. Uh, and uh, it was the best risk he had ever taken because after several years, you know, he, you know, was able to grow a profitable business. And I was a teenager at the time. So he told me, you know, you're going to come work with me. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn the trade. And I loved being outside. I loved just kind of playing outside with the neighbors and just, you know, getting dirty in the mud. Mm. And so this was a cool way to do that. Yeah. Play with robots. Yep. And it's a great career path for people. So that's when I decided to go to school, got my surveying degree. Uh, and then I continued on with my education, uh, got my master's degree in civil engineering. And uh, as I got really involved in the industry, I realized that I want to get into the uh, new technology. And mm-hmm. the new technology led me into uh, getting even higher education and starting a PhD at Ohio State. So. Uh, it's led me down this path where now I have my own business. I make content online on YouTube about serving and yep. geospatial technology. And yeah, that's where I'm at now. I mean, I'm living life. I love what I do. Um, and I'm continuing to get educated every day. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So you are doing quite a bit of online content. Your, yeah. <laughs> your YouTube channel, you do a lot of um, product reviews and you're like digging into survey practices. And what inspired your side, your YouTube channel? Yeah. So in 2020, uh, you know, we were all sitting at home and I had started my PhD at Ohio State and I'd gotten a position as a uh, teaching assistant. Mm. So the the position was set up so that I was the lab instructor for the surveying course. But of course, we're all at home and campuses are closed. And there was like a lot of back and forth about how would we actually do a lab, an outdoor lab, you know. Uh, And so one of the uh, solutions that I thought of was to make like pre-lab videos for students to Mm. watch before coming to lab. So I created this series of intro to surveying videos talking about pacing, leveling, traversing, resection, uh, topographic surveying, you know, and I, and basically every video was the prep for the lab that week. Mm. And I wanted to make the videos so that not just my students would watch them so that anybody would watch them. Anyone that was interested in learning about this topic could watch it because 
I hated the fact that there was little to no resources for surveyors online. Yep. So I wanted to kind of create something small. And that small thing that I created started to grow. And I had thousands of viewers and a lot of people interested and they kept telling me make more videos. So then that's when I got into talking about new technology like LiDAR and aerial mapping with drones and starting to do comparisons and then reviewing products. And ultimately we've uh, been on two years now making YouTube videos and we just hit 50,000 subscribers. So we've got a solid audience. I think people really like the content and I think that it's just helping a lot of people. And that's the main motivation behind it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats on growing to where you have. Thank you. <laughs> uh, very similar, like we've seen such a lack of good information out there. Like mm -hmm. when it comes to, I mean, survey is definitely one of them. And then all of the new technologies, like when it comes to scanners and drones and BIM and virtual reality and augmented reality and all of the mixes of these new tools, like people run out and buy a tool and then they don't really know what to do with it or they get stuck in a workflow, yeah. but then there's nowhere for them to go to research really. Like yeah. there's a, there's such a lack. There's, there's a few random like YouTube hits here and there, but there's not a lot of people that like are dedicated to creating <laughs> content and educating. Um, and I think that's a big need in the industry. Absolutely. I mean, there's all these, you know, companies that want to get involved in technology and they may go buy a drone, but they don't know which drone to buy. So they just buy the one drone that that one surveyor from this other company told them to buy, mm -hmm. you know, or and, the cheapest one or the cheapest. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that ends up happening a lot, too. Um, and they just kind of buy the technology without researching it and then task usually their staff surveyor or intern to, hey, figure it out, sort of. And this goes back to the first thing we talked about. If you want excellent product, you need to put 100% effort into it. Mm -hmm. So if you are not doing the proper research, not getting the right tools that you need to succeed and not hiring the proper staff, it's not going to work. And yeah. so it gives the new technology a bad rep, especially when it comes to accuracy, because there's just a lack of education out there. Yeah. So my, my goal is to make it accessible and easy to be able to do that research, to be able to find the right drone for your project or find the right scanner for your project. And, you know, for anyone that's training and learning how to do it, hey, here's the tutorial. Here's how you yeah. can actually set this up and here's the proper way to collect data with it. Yeah. I got a question on kind of a broad question. So you are focused a lot on survey and you talk to a lot of surveyors. Mm -hmm. What's your feel of the current state of the surveying industry? I think that surveyors are starting to realize that technology is inevitable, right? It's going to evolve. It's going to continue to be more advanced. And, you know, if they don't adopt it into their workflows, you know, other professions will. And I don't think anyone will ever replace a surveyor, but I think that t certain tasks will be you know, that were traditionally performed by surveyors will be replaced by other industries. Um, a great example of this is GIS. Mm. You know, GIS came around about 20 years ago. Surveyors said, this is not surveying. And geographers said, hey, we'll take over and mm. we'll make this a part of our industry. And now it's created this whole new repurpose for geography. Uh, and so it didn't eliminate the surveyor, but it definitely took away a lot of influence that a surveyor could have had in the development of GIS. 
And now we see this with, you know, with LIDAR and we see this with photogrammetry. A technology has been around and people outside of surveying are using it. Surveyors are going to have to use it because if they don't, that technology is going to continue to exist. So the new generation, um, I, we call them your, you know, we, you guys had mentioned that you called it the new age of surveyors. There you, um, go. you know, not my term. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> claiming it. Not me. I didn't come up with that term. But um, they are starting to realize that, hey, you know, we need to step up our game and we really need to invest in educating ourselves on the new technology. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting um challenge i think with and this goes for all companies engineering companies construction firms and survey um trying to get past that hurdle of like there are a lot that are kind of stuck in their ways and they're hesitant to look at new technologies Mm -hmm. because they see it as like replacing their job or you know um overstepping bounds even and and i think that there has to be more conversation about firms understanding like why is innovation important? Right. Like, why should we be looking at these new technologies and trying to increase efficiencies? And um, ultimately, I think it does. It leads back down to like other people are going to do it. Like 100 percent. If, if AI yeah. is created, if laser scanners are created, if there is a new technology, a company is going to adopt it and utilize it in a way to produce a product or or solve a problem. Oh, yeah. Then it becomes the it's the opportunity. I, I'm more I, I more tell people I'm like, it's not so much that you have to do it. You don't have to scan, but it's a big opportunity that scanning or drones or these new technologies, they are needed and they're solving a problem. So it's really your opportunity to decide if it's something that you want to help get into and solve the problem. For the survey conversation, I I tell surveyors, I'm like, don't take this as you have to do it, but surveyors are the best people to do it. Absolutely. That this is, this is our (laughs) moment. This is, this is our calling. I mean, we, we are known as the experts in measurements. And if we are experts and we know how to get accurate data, we should be the ones that are fronting this research, fronting this technology, utilizing it to its fullest potential because no one else is trained like we are. Yeah. So it's a it's an obligation for us surveyors to use this technology and to prove that you can do it in an effective and accurate way. Because if you don't, then you're going to get data that's not accurate and it's going to have a bad reputation to this LIDAR, yeah. to this drone, to you know whatever it is that you're using. Uh, we had this discussion with GNSS for years. GNSS, there are many surveyors that still don't accept it. They still don't understand the concept of how GNSS observations are taken. Uh, and that's just because they don't want to adopt it. And it's a duty for us to do that. Mm-hmm. What uh, what are you most uh, excited about right now? You've probably, you I know you've kind of dug into a lot of different technologies and tools, but um, what is it that's been most interesting to you recently? I have to say it's the iPhone. Yeah. The iPhone... <laughs> My God, I as mean, simple but as awesome as it is, it's it's a piece of technology that it's gonna. Apple has done such a incredible job of building this little device that we use on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and yet here it is being used to collect data, to represent information, uh, and it's so easy to use that you know you start to question, okay, if if. If it's this easy to use and it's this easy to make, how much better can it get? Yeah. Right? Like, we're just seeing the first phases of this iPhone with its 
very high megapixel and high resolution camera with a built-in LiDAR sensor with an increased accuracy in uh, the gyroscope and the accelerometer. I mean, really all we're missing is that is that RTK component. And there are companies that make RTK yeah. receivers for the iPhone. So yeah. that's a piece of technology that I think is going to revolutionize the reality capture world mm. um, because people are going to be able to pull out their phones, collect data, and at some point it's going to get to the accuracy levels that it needs to to then be pooled in and then have a mass data collected uh, data set that anyone can access. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. I think um, I think one of the things that uh, the iPhone, iPad um, will do for the industry is one, I think people initially look at it wrong. Mm -hmm. Initially, when people see the iPhone and LiDAR, they think of it as is it a replacement to terrestrial scanners? Yeah. And people are, so when they first see it, they're like, that's garbage. It's a phone, it's not accurate. Like there's no place <laughs> for it. Let's go back to our expensive scanners. Mm -hmm. We as professionals in the industry, our job is not to say that it's not good enough. Our job is to evaluate it and say, where does it fit? How good is it? Yeah, yeah. and then what can it be used for? So. Right. I think one of the low hanging fruits for the phone and the iPad is like, I've given this example before, you know, we go out and scan buildings all over the country. If we go to a building and there's a locked mechanical room that we can't access, we have to fly back. We scanned most of the building, but the mechanical mm -hmm. room was, was locked. We couldn't get it. Well, I, I bet you there's a project manager or a superintendent or a mechanical maintenance guy, somebody on site has an iPhone. Yeah. They can download an app for free. They could go scan that room and that, that data is going to be accurate enough for an individual room at least mm -hmm. today, depending on the need of the, uh, the use of the data. Oh yeah. And they can just scan that room and now we drop it into the whole data set. So our, our initial look at it isn't, can we now buy an iPhone and go the cheap route and scan the whole building with this? But can we use it as a supplemental tool tomorrow mm -hmm. for, a, for a way that helps us increase either efficiencies or uh, missed data or, you know, what objects can we, can we capture with it? Yeah, the relative accuracy of the iPhone is incredible. I mean, positional wise, you know, okay, it, it could be floating somewhere in space, but when you go from one point to another and you take a measurement between those two points, that accuracy is within the hundredths of a foot. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you missed a spot. Okay, you call your project manager that's on site or the superintendent or whoever, can you please scan this for us? And maybe they overlap some of your terrestrial scan. Now you've got some points that you can match. Yep. I mean, yeah, that, that would be a perfect use case for the iPhone. And our job as surveyors is to be able to identify something like that, is to be able to say, okay, here's what this tool can do. This is its, you know, use cases. This is what it is. This is what it's not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think most people are starting to understand that. I think most people realize that, okay, here's a tool that I can use for these reasons. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I love that. I love that device. I mean, I think it's, it's a symbol of, you know, the advancements that we see in our world. Um, I mean, if you talk to a surveyor 50 years ago and you told them you can, <laughs> you can, you can take measurements with a phone. They'd probably look at you and say, do I bring the phone from home or how yeah. does that work? I mean, the, yeah. how much we've evolved is insane. I mean, yeah. I, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And and 
at the speed of which you know the hardware is improving and people are coming out with faster scanners and scanners that you can walk with and scanners in your pocket and your phone and mm-hmm. i think what that is going to do over the next five years like if we look back five years and even back 10 years where we've come in the interest in these technologies the adoption and integration of them into different industries and projects I can't the the volume of work that's going to be requested mm-hmm. that has to do with reality capture whether it be a phone or a backpack or a terrestrial scanner like the need to digitize and create accurate information uh I think is going to keep blowing up really across all industries. This brings a really good like discussion point because there is a lot of work and there needs to be the 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 work needs to be satisfied so i have this conversation with surveyors i say okay if you think that scanning should be exclusive to surveyors because there's some of some of them that are like that like hey this should just be for surveyors do you think with our current understanding of the technology we could satisfy that need and actually do all the scanning that's required out there in the industry I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that we need to work with other industries and consult them to collect accurate data. I mean, Mm -hmm. every surveyor should understand how it works. You know, does that mean every surveyor should go out into the field and do it? No, I, I don't think so. But I think that they need to know how to communicate with people that do scanning work. That's their job. That's that's what they're good at and teach them the accuracy aspect of it the coordinate projection aspect of it, anything that is not related to the scanning of the data, but management of the data, Mm -hmm. because that's what we're known for. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's, again, you go back and forth, the surveyors that say, this is surveying, this is not surveying, no, we should be doing this, no, we should have nothing to do with this, no, it, it should be something that we get involved in, but it's not exclusive to just us. Yeah, I agree, I, I think that, one of the best ways that survey as an industry could support reality capture in whole is taking that lead on understanding the tools, understanding all the different technologies and helping define how accurate the different ones are and the workflows needed to meet certain accuracies. That is an area I see as a big miss right now in Mm -hmm. the industry. I get calls on a weekly, monthly basis of somebody who went out and bought a tool because they the specs on the tool says it can meet this accuracy, but then they go out and do a real world job and it's screwed up. Yeah. And it's not that the tool is bad. I don't blame it on the hardware, but there's not enough education and training and understanding of accuracy over the size, you know, over different size projects. If you take any scanner and you come in a single room and scan, your data is going to be beautiful. Right. But if you now take on a five-story building or a 500,000 square foot warehouse, it's a different or animal. An airport or yeah. a tunnel or a that's the problem I see is so many people run out and buy the tool and don't understand where accumulated error happens and how to how to integrate control to do that. That is where I think the survey industry could really come in and help the whole industry. It could help the survey industry (laughs) and help the rest of the people doing reality capture is defining good workflows 
and helping not like keep all these secrets of of accuracy but like educate and be willing to help the industry and it would give survey uh that authority that they have yeah. in accuracy to say look you might be a company that does scanning and this architectural job yes we don't it doesn't have to be done by a surveyor but we could help you run the control to establish good solid xyz's on each level now you can go do your scans and they'll tie together accurately that's what we've seen a big need for absolutely yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more i mean we that's that's what we're known for and if we're not going to do that then we're doing the industry a, a, dis, a misjustice you know where it's our duty to to come in there and to teach everyone that needs us how to do accurate data collection and then to validate the data that was collected with scanners mm-hmm. um, so 100% what um when you look at what you're doing with education on a bigger level like what are some of your goals you know it's the goals that i've set for myself constantly change based off of the environments that i'm in so when i first started teaching uh so i teach at ohio state um and so my goal was you know all right i want to use this as experience to then maybe become a lecturer um, at a community college while I'm working full time, you know, after I graduate, you know, and so uh, that was like the initial goal. And uh, the YouTube, you know, videos started to do very well. And I started to grow this, you know, this platform. And I started to think to myself, you know, this is also education. It's not university education, but it's teaching people how to do something very skillful. So maybe i should just work on this uh, and then i realized now that there are like these universities and these colleges they're all struggling to maintain their programs they're looking for people like me and you to help them educate their students so now i look at this and i say do i want to be a professor do i want to educate online do i want to have a consult education consulting firm you know I really don't know, yeah. you know, and, and it, it's it's I've come to realize that anyone that can educate on this topic, whether it's surveying, geospatial, reality capture, you know, uh, geodesy, these are all very highly skilled topics that require people that really know what they're doing to educate the students. And so I think that there's a ton of opportunity out there. It's just what do I want to take on? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. OK, so um, another question then, apart from it, apart from exactly the method in which you want to educate whether through a university or or you know doing your own educational content what would be your biggest goal with your education is it to is it to bring in more people into the survey industry is it to train surveyors is it what what's your high level like who are you trying to serve i'm trying to serve anyone that's involved in surveying right at the start of it, technicians, yep. because that's, I think, the lowest amount of people involved. And there's a huge demand for technicians. They are the frontline workers. They are yeah. the ones that are getting the job done. Um, and, you know, I think there's a there's a healthy amount of professional surveyors out there. Um, I think that's also an issue that needs to be, you know, taken care of. But the technician issue is a bigger problem because if there's no technicians out there, there's no one doing the work. So the professional surveyor can't do his job either. Yeah. And it's not their job to go out into the field, but they're, they end up having to do that because there's no technician. So my primary goal is to teach technicians. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know when you teach technicians some of them you know they take that knowledge and then they grow into the okay i want to be a professional server i'm going to get a bachelor's degree now so I, indirectly i'm also yeah you know helping train and educate you know future professional surveyors so it's the whole industry yeah you know, my my goal is to help the industry and this is the most impactful way i believe in the current conditions that i'm in the situation that i'm in i can do and I think a lot of people kind of have good intentions and they want to do it, but they start to find excuses not to, whether they think they're not ready or they think they need more time to train or whatever it is. I say, you know, do what you have, you know, whatever you've got right now, just do that, work with that and see where it gets you. And mm -hmm. it's, it's worked for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so back to even the story of your dad. So, oh, yeah. you know, taking that, risky step right mm -hmm. of starting your own business do you attribute some of your uh entrepreneurship to like his story and kind of watching watching him oh yeah 100 mm percent -hmm. he um so he graduated from michigan technological university in december of 2007. so i was alive and fully aware of what's around me and i attended his graduation and i have memories of it and that was a moment in my life that i realized dad in his 40s accomplished something significant and then watching him struggle those first few years like truly struggle and um him being you know in a position where he was unable to grow a business in a recession you know seeing the mistakes he made seeing the challenges that he had to overcome he always had a smile on his face mm. And the thing was, and I had asked him this when I got older, I was like, dad, like, how did you always have this positive <laughs> mindset? He goes, I was working for myself. I was growing my own venture. And while it's very difficult to do something, you know, maybe behind closed doors, it could be like very stressful and nerve wracking. If you've got a good attitude about it and you truly believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing, it's inevitable that it's going to work. And now he, you know, he he has his own firm, he makes his own hours, he travels. So I, I saw that and I said to myself, okay, so if I can see my dad who came to this country with nothing, who worked his butt off just to get to where, you know, he was as a crew chief, and then to go start his own business and to build his future, I could totally do it. Mm. And uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. And I ended up landing on this you know education route which i love yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong this is definitely something i enjoy so much but um it, it his story inspired me a lot because seeing him go through it yeah you know it, it just showed me that hey it's possible that's awesome yeah. yeah and even just the fact that like you just said uh it wasn't like all this happened uh you know before you were around or something right no, no i watched like, it all <laughs> you went to his graduation yeah and you're watching him try to build the business and and all that that's yeah. uh yeah that's that's got to be inspirational oh yeah uh, it's 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 an incredible thing and i think that anyone that is trying to make their their children you know try to try to set a good example for them you don't have to go to school or anything but just show them if you've got a dream if you've got a passion devote your life to it your kids will notice your kids will follow you and they will do the same when they get older yeah that's awesome yeah i i mean just that whole story like um it's never too late. No. You know, no. a lot of people get into a career and they're like, oh, I couldn't make a change, mm -hmm. you know? And I think so many people kind of give up. They they get into a job that they don't really enjoy. 
Yeah. And it's like, they don't look forward to going to work. They're like, oh my gosh, finally Friday, I get to go home. And then they dread Monday. You know, as much as I love talking about technology, I love talking about this too. Business, just entrepreneurship. Like, yeah, yeah like, and, and not even only becoming a business owner or becoming an entrepreneur, but at least finding a job you can enjoy. Oh yeah. Like so many people kind of get stuck and and I think that, that that final decision of is it worth taking the risky step? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about with your dad, right? Like oh, yeah. he could have just stayed in a party chief role or stayed in a but you take that risk of like, you know what? I I have this passion, I want to do this and I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to work. You know, it's not going to be easy, but when you know you you can do something more, being willing to just take that risky step. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have this misconception of, you know, business owners are rich, right? And I, I mean, I, I will say that when I first started, you know, I, I went to my wife and I was like, look, I'm thinking about leaving my job and I'm thinking about trying something new. Um, and her support was huge you know she's like go for it we're young we should be taking risks right now um i wasn't making any money mm -hmm. i was taking like 60 dollars frontier flights and then taking the free exhibit hall pass just to get into conferences so i can talk to people you know i wouldn't spend the night i would take the red eye home because i couldn't afford the hotel room yeah you know i i really like was so frugal in the beginning um i used my cell phone camera and I still use my cell phone yeah. camera, but I mean, I use my cell phone camera at first to get started, you know, and I, I, whatever I could, you know, and any, any money I could make, uh, I, I would just reinvest it back into my business, yeah. improve my gear, improve my, you yeah. know, my quality of work, you know, just, I always gave it hundred percent with what I had and uh, it took time and it took dedication and it took me believing in myself to be able to get to where I got to. And I couldn't have done that had I not taken that risk. Yep. And people are, like you said, hesitant. They think that they're too old or yeah. they're, they're just too locked in or they got too much to lose. Believe me, if you got, let's say you tried it and it didn't work, you're just going to go right back to where you are right now. Yeah. Yep. So why not try, yep. you know, just, yep. if it doesn't work, just yeah. go back to what you're doing. You'll yep. be fine. You know? Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. And I never try to push people into like business ownership or entrepreneurship because my like i honestly think it's probably not the best route for most people it's a lot of work it's so much work it's, it's so much risk yeah. it's th there is a lot there you have to really be passionate about what you're doing and really want to do it yeah to to take that step oh yeah but if you are someone that that is you and what is stopping you is the fear then it then it is like you have to just drop that and take that take that step mm -hmm. like you just said the jobs like the companies they are those are always there they're always going to exist mm -hmm. right with or without you and if you leave and you try and you fail you probably will get a better job mm -hmm. i've seen lots of guys leave a company with the intentions of starting their own business it doesn't work out okay they've they, their risk tolerance has run out but that's experience yeah. That's something to put on your resume. Hey, I had a year where I ran my own business and it failed. Yeah. And in the interview, you tell them it failed because of X, Y, Z. Yep. But I learned ABC. Yep. 
I guarantee you, you're going to get a better job than what you had before. You're going to be more happy and life will be just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you'll, you'll be grateful for that experience. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk a little bit, uh, on the social media side. Sure. Yeah. So I think this kind of even correlates there. So even with social media, a lot of people are afraid to take the step, afraid to get on (laughs) camera. They worry so much about, you know, they go do a post and it doesn't get enough views or likes, you know, um, you're at the point you've been doing it for a few years. Your YouTube has 50,000 followers. What did that look like in the beginning for you? You know, did you have times of uh, discouraging of like it wasn't growing enough or, you know, did you have a long term plan? What did your journey in, in you getting into, you know, the social media side look like? Yeah, absolutely. So the first, I would say, 10 to 15 videos were the videos that I made for my Ohio State students. Right. I anticipated I have about 100 students. I anticipated 100 views per video. Right. Any less, my students are not watching yeah. <laughs> the videos. <laughs> Oops. So, you know, I, I anticipated my students at least would be watching my videos. So there was no intention for the thousands that came in. So and then I, I took several months off because I was getting married and buying yep. a house and, you know, I was dealing with life. And so when I got back from my honeymoon, I was um, that was when I started contemplating this whole like, should I start my own business sort of thing? Um, and so I left my job. And a week later, I made my first iPhone versus total station comparison video. And at the time, I think every video I had had at least five or six hundred views. And then that one video, the iPhone video, within one week had a hundred thousand views and within a month had half a million views. Mm-hmm. And it was like the light bulb just got switched on. Like it was like one week after yeah. I finished. And I thought, oh my God, I made it. Like, that's it. And, I'm, and I started getting all these calls from all these random companies and all these random people that appreciated my work. And, you know, I'm sitting at home. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I, I have all this free time. And then the reality settled in. Like, okay, that was a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the views went back down to being a couple hundred, maybe a thousand, you know, per yeah. video. So that's when I decided, okay, now is the time to grind. Now is the time to make as much content as I can because I've gotten an exposure video. This is like a very lucky moment for me. I need to capitalize on it. And that's what took several years to grow and now, you know, to build the content that I have now. Um, And so I started making videos about drones. I started making videos about um, GNSS receivers. I started comparing different sensors to each other. I started making videos of me going to conferences. Some of the some of the some of that content did really well. Some of that content did not do well. My job now was to figure out what my audience wanted and how do I retain an audience. Um, and so we've you know reached a point now where I realize you know the audience likes to see new technology. They like to see new products. They like to see comparison videos. Uh, and I've really learned a lot about what YouTube wants to promote. Mm. Uh, there's a big business side to YouTube, the algorithm, you know, it's, it's got criteria that needs to be met. And if you can't meet those criteria, your videos will not be recommended. So where we are today now, I mean, I've pretty much gotten a good handle on what performs well, what doesn't perform well, and I'm able to create that content that, you know, based off of past experience performs well, and I'm able to make content for my viewers. And 
we're consistently growing. I mean, I think every video has roughly 10,000 views. Um, some videos hit 50, some, you know, don't, you know, and it's yeah. okay. Uh, all I know is that we are growing uh, and that's the best part is that we are not, we're, we're doing something correct. You know, yeah. we're not, we're not falling behind or anything. No, we're, we're constantly growing. So that's yeah. the best part. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, um, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I feel like a lot of companies, businesses who try to use social um, really do one, at least one big thing wrong. I think there's probably a lot of things they do wrong, (laughs) but I think one thing is making too much content that really is meant to sell. Yeah, that's a big problem. And it's once you get to a certain, I mean, if you're like a sales channel, like let's say you have your own like instrument equipment, you're naturally a sales channel. But I'm facing this problem right now, and I, I don't have a problem talking about this. Um, when I make content for sponsors, my main objective, my primary goal is to educate the viewer, right? Yes, the sponsor is paying me, and yes, this product, you know, I'm going to glorify it in a way. I obviously won't take on the sponsor if I don't believe in their product. Yep. Like, I have to believe in it, and I do, I never lie. Like, everything yep. is truthful. But my primary goal is to educate the Uh, viewer. So where is that healthy balance between promoting a product, because that's what you're being paid to do, but maintaining the authenticity of your review and educating the viewer. And a lot of people struggle with that. And it's something that I'm actively trying to um, keep, you know, keep, you know, the balance between the two. And my sponsors understand that. And I haven't seen any backlash from my viewers. Most of my viewers understand that, hey, this is a business yep. and he has to promote products to continue to make videos. But as long as they're taking something away from this and they're learning something, I yeah. think the viewers are pretty okay with that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, um, I love the approach of education. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if there's one thing people could integrate into their media that would help their growth, it's more of a focus on education. Whether you're a service provider or you're a hardware or you're a software, it's not, let me tell you how we're the best or here's the de- just the detailed specs of it. It's like, what is this and how does it you know, affect the potential buyer, yeah. Like telling the actual story and the and the educating of that thing, mm-hmm. um, or how it was used. Um, I think education is one of the best sales tools. Absolutely, because when you educate a viewer, you're you're proving to them how a technology works, you know, and the branding side. You know, okay, hey, maybe this company sponsored me to use their equipment. But all equipment, GNSS receivers, best yeah. example, right? All GNSS receivers work the same. They all utilize uh, trilateration. They all see satellites. They all have a base or a cores or some type of control segment that is correcting the positions of their rover. They all work the same. So why not talk about how that works? Mm-hmm. Why not explain the concept? But at the same time, promote this product because they're the ones that are paying for that education. Mm -hmm. So now this product being promoted by this brand is promoting education. And that is the best way to market products. That is the best way to create content because everyone is winning. Mm -hmm. Everyone is benefiting. You know, that's a good piece of content right there. Yeah. That's awesome. Love it. Um, 
I recently came across uh, on one of your videos. Oh yeah. Uh, you had um, survey shirts. Yes. Is that something you're still doing? I am, yeah. Uh, so surveyshirts.com, uh, where we sell basically survey apparel. Um, you know, sometimes they're jokes, sometimes yeah. they're, you know, just kind of fun inside, uh, yeah. you know, something to be related to inside jokes related to our industry. Uh, and uh, Survey Shirts was a project that I, I wanted to test out, you know, to see if there was interest, you know. Um, I don't necessarily promote it as often yeah. as I used to. Uh, and the only reason I don't is because I feel like it takes away from the video. Yeah, sure. And this is part of the YouTube process, right? I'm, I'm learning how to be a better uh, educator. Yeah. And so for a period of time, I was constantly promoting survey shirts. And, you know, we had decent sales. Like people cool. were buying and people loved them. But um, I started to get comments that were saying, hey, I feel like you're trying too hard to mm. sell us on this. And it's not like it's benefiting anybody you know, along those lines, right? Yeah. So, and I took that very seriously because yeah. my viewers, they want what's best for, for the channel. Yeah. So I thought that survey shirts is a good concept. I still have yep. the company. I still make the shirts. That's cool. If you buy one, you'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it took away from the purpose of the video. Yeah. And I take comments very seriously and I yeah. listen to them because I want my viewers to be happy. That's awesome. I, yeah. I very much relate with that, um, you know, we building our podcast uh it, it's been a constant conversation too of like where do we want you know people want to sponsor us but how do we want to integrate them like i don't like the idea of you know every 30 seconds on my podcast it's cutting off and we're telling you about this latest thing you know mm -hmm. i'm like I want to find a way to do it in a way that's not interrupting. That's not, it doesn't come off kind of salesy. And I, and I think there's creative ways to do so, but I did see one of yours. And, and, uh, the reason I asked that leading back to a different, uh, uh, conversation was the idea of community. Mm -hmm. When I, when I th thought about your shirts just now, I was, I was thinking about the importance of building a community around an industry. Mm -hmm. That's one of our goals around all these technologies is like, if you can make it easy for people to connect with each other and build relationships and communicate with each other, different companies around the country, sharing ideas, sharing struggles. I feel like there are, there are a lot of silos, you know, in, the industry. I, I liked that idea when I saw your shirts. I was like, I think building more of that community for surveyors, I think would be awesome. That's that's the primary issue is that there's a lack of connection and community, you know, especially amongst younger surveyors. Yeah. Uh, I think something like survey shirts had a good had a good intention, right? I, I, my intentions were to kind of get us all to wear the same jokes on our shirts, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was like a community thing. So that was definitely my yeah. intention. And um, maybe my execution was a little off. Again, it was, I didn't really have any sponsors. I was kind of creating yeah. my own my own brand yeah. to sponsor, right? Totally. Um, so the execution could have used work. But the idea of community is really important. And having conferences, bring people together yep. and they really enjoy those couple of days that they're together. Uh, and then 
they all go back to their home states, their hometowns. So what other tools are there to communicate together? Yeah. Social media is, in my opinion, the best way to do it. Yep. You know, you got Facebook groups, you have LinkedIn, um, you know, you, people can get together on these platforms and continue to share their experiences. Um, you know, if they found something unique in the field, they take a picture of it and they post it online. Uh, you know, so there are ways that they communicate with each other and social media to me is the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I think uh, not that we'll share too much on the podcast now, but I think we have more goals within, you know, even within RCN as a community, wanting to be able to develop like sub communities like we have so many surveyors in our in our community in our network yeah. we have so many architects we have so many most of them are coming and connecting around the same technologies but i think finding ways to um have ongoing conversations and communities whether it's enhancing through like forums or through uh monthly calls or i think there needs to be more focus to enhancing communication like I love social media and it works to like go on and, you know, see people every once in a while randomly in an algorithm, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it's also not somewhere that you like you can intentionally just go have good conversation very easily because of that reason. Like when you get hundreds of connections or thousands of followers, like you start to lose some of that ability to have that personal connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it'd be cool to start doing some more ongoing community building. What we can learn from other industries, you know, I, I look at like a mentor mentorship pro or a yep. program um, where, you know, I'm getting into the industry. I'm new. I don't really know a lot. I find a couple YouTube videos. I, you know, join a couple groups. Okay, cool. But what we really need is to be able to connect, you know, someone that's willing to share knowledge and information with a group of individuals. Yeah. You know, they're okay. You are skilled in boundary surveying, let's say. Here's a couple of brand new licensed surveyors. They want to get out there. They want to do boundary surveys, you know, and you're their mentor. You teach them what you know. They ask you the questions or the challenges that they have faced, get another opinion from you. Uh, we see this internally with companies, but we don't see that so much between companies. It's yeah. almost like it's they safeguard all of their information from each other, yeah. which is horrible for the industry. I mean, if you know something or learn something, um, and this is more of a local example, but you know, you should share that with local companies. Yeah. You know, and if it's something more broad, you should share that with the entire community. You yeah. know, and um, having that mentor mentee, you know, relationship with people, I think could be a good way to start. Yeah. Building a community, you know, online outside of what social media has to offer. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. Huh. Um, I had another question that just lost me. Oh. Okay. What's next on your mind? What's next on my mind? Um, you know, I, I really enjoy kind of the work that I'm doing on, uh, on YouTube. And, you know, I think I want to continue to grow that. I want to continue to make content for viewers. What I want to see more of is other creators, mm -hmm. right? So there's definitely creators in the reality capture space, you know, whether they're flying drones or doing LIDAR scanning, but still, still small, still small. Yeah, there are I, some, there are some, <laughs> um, but I'm, I mean, in terms of surveying, cause that's yeah. what's so near and dear to my heart. I mean, I'm one, I'm one of maybe two or three yeah, that are doing it, small, yeah. you know, and I'm probably the most consistent, you yeah. know? So 
I I love that I get to do this and that I get to you know build this you know this this platform for myself, um, for other others to use. But I want to see more people do yeah. it. You know, any surveyor right now that's making content like up and coming influencers that have like one or two thousand followers or subscribers, they're big. Yeah, they're really big. Like. Because surveying is such a small, it's a subcategory of reality yeah. capture. Uh, and so anyone that's doing anything at this point is being recognized and being talked about in, in a good way. Yeah. So I want to see more of that. I want to see young surveyors that, or even older surveyors, it doesn't matter. Just share with us your knowledge. Share yep. with us your experience. That to me is what's going to help really drive creativity in our industry. I absolutely agree. Um and I think one of my first attempts at trying to like help that process is, you know, we when we started doing our podcast and having like one on one conversations, I saw the power of like, I could go to somebody that I knew and say, hey, like, I want to interview you. So mm -hmm. I'm maybe they didn't think about go put going and putting a video out or putting content out there, but I'm bringing them in and making them yeah. <laughs> have the conversation. I'm recording it. I'm trying to dig into some of the knowledge that they have, mm -hmm. then I can go back and create the content and say, that was a very valuable piece of information. I'm going to create a social clip out of that or a quote or a graphic or a, and share that out to the community. Mm -hmm. So we, we start with that. Then when we started our conference, that was like the next level of saying, okay, if we're going to put on a conference that really the style of the stage and the presentations is kind of like a TEDx event. Like it's, it's one stage and everybody's watching whatever speaking is going on. Every single session is the keynote session. Yeah. We don't have breakout rooms and all that. If I get a thousand people or 1500 people to come to a theater to watch a stage in our industry, well then the people that I can try to pick and put on that stage are going to have a big audience. Mm -hmm. And on top of seeing being seen in person at the event, we're going to film it. So we're now we're going to give them their presentation. We're going to give them content back. I feel like by even some of us creators pulling other people into the journey and like filming them and giving them the content and showing them like they see the value look, finally yeah 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 you know Absolutely. we're on our third conference this year year one nobody really knew what we were doing we didn't either we're figuring it out as we go <laughs> yeah but the fact that we kind of created that that unique one stage filming it creating the content from it by by year two then people were like oh you guys are doing like I want a video of me on stage. Yep. I want to be seen talking. Now we're at year three. We have a huge list of the biggest companies I could think of that want to come present on the stage. And I don't want to only fill it with the biggest companies I can think of. I want to find the people that are out there doing good work, that are doing unique work, that don't have a big voice yet. I want, and we can help unpack those influencer, those next influencers oh, yeah. in our industry. Oh yeah. One of the big things that inspired me to do it is following people outside of our industry, right? Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk and oh, yeah. Grant Cardone and Lewis Howes and all these, Joe Rogan. I mean, seeing that people could use podcasting and social media and YouTube and content creation to educate an entire industry. Mm -hmm. But then you come over and you look at 
architects, engineers, construction, surveying, who are the influencers? They're not there. There's they're just not there yet, you know? And sure, when I say not there, I mean they're not like in mass quantities. And, and, and not even, they're not in mass quantities, but there's also not people with that level of influence. Like oh yeah. you have a big, a big YouTube following, right? But 50,000. In comparison. In comparison to how big is, is the surveying industry? How big is the construction industry mm -hmm. that should be hearing about surveying? Right. Like it is a massive industry. Yes. We absolutely should have influencers in our industry that can help educate and share messages and dig into stories and stuff that that are just as big as any other influencer on social media. Absolutely. The biggest influence that we're providing is bringing people into the industry. Mm -hmm. If that's a big struggle, which, hello, it's been a huge struggle for yeah. our industry, then we need people to influence the next generation. Yep. We need people to influence those that are working right now and need help figuring out how to use certain tools or how to mm -hmm. use certain workflows. So no, influencers are, and it's such a weird term. Yeah. Like when I hear influencer, I think of like, you know, LA girl that's, you know, out drinking Starbucks, right? Yeah. But sure. you don't realize yeah. <laughs> that the, the term actually is impactful. Like this is someone that is going to help the industry. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I, I like to think that, you know, I have an influence on our industry and that I'm doing something positive for our industry, yep. but I can't do it alone. Yeah. Right. I mean, the only reason I've gotten to this point is because I'm attracting people from outside of surveying and outside of reality capture people yep. that are just like software engineers. Right. Yeah. They want to they, they got a project they have to work on and, and it involves some reality capture and some accuracy needs to be there. They stumble on one of my videos. Yeah. Right. And so I have brought somebody from outside in now. Yeah. I'm just one person. Yeah. Imagine if there was 10, 20, 100, yeah. you know, now you're really creating a huge impact to the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think our impact is both. It, like you said, it is, it is very much that we can impact the internal people in our industry who need deeper education. They need, they need to know about products yeah. and we can raise the awareness to, uh, people that didn't know about our industry. Correct. Uh, yeah. One direct example I had um, just a few weeks ago, um, I we were so busy with content creation from our last conference that I found a guy on Upwork oh, that nice. was going to do some video editing for us. Good. Perfect. He started editing a couple videos and he was like, this stuff is crazy. Like I've never heard of, <laughs> I've never even heard of this laser scanning, whatever. I'll do your stuff for free if you'll help me learn how to get into the industry. No kidding. Wow. And then like a few weeks later, he sent me a message and he's like, I got a job as an entry level laser scanning at a company in Texas. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I was like, dang, that wasn't even from a video being posted out publicly, yet we just recruited a laser scanning tech in our industry by our content. Yeah. You look at doing that on at, at scale by pushing out to the general public like it could be what solves some of our shortage absolutely no i think it's a that's a great example you know and something to be really proud of that somebody watched your content and was so impacted by your level of influence that they went and made a huge career change and it's probably for the best you know they're probably now doing something that they really enjoy and really love so you just educated someone on something that they didn't even realize existed. Yeah. And I, you know? I feel like that's like everybody. Like yeah. how many people do you walk up to that? Like you, 
ask you what you do and you get into like survey or drones or scanners and they know about it. They're like, hardly any. They're like, what, what the heck is, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I think there's so much, so much room to, to grow there. Right. I think another big concern that some people have is they think that there's competition. Mm. Like Matt and Rami are in competition. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Matt and Rami need to work together yeah. because we go back to what we were saying. There's such a small supply of us mm. and a huge demand yep. that not one person working by themselves can satisfy. Yeah. It's going to take all of us working together to first grow our influencer base to meet that demand. So uh, I always say, you know, if I'm working with one of my one of my uh, friends that create content, if I send them a piece of content to look at, I tell them, please crap on it. This is the Mr. Beast approach, right? When he first got started, he had a group of friends and he used to critique each other's videos. So I go by that same approach. Please crap on it. Like tell me everything that you hate. Do not compliment any part of it because I want that content to get better. Yeah. And then if I figure something out that works, whether it's through the algorithm or uh, something that is of interest, um, here, I'll share something right now. YouTube loves comparison videos. Mm Mm-hmm. Something versus something accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube's algorithm will pick it up like that. Throw the word iPhone in there. It'll make yeah. it even more, you know, recommended. Um, you got to share that information because yeah. if you just keep it to yourself, you're only going to grow like in small increments. But if you share it a little and, you know, Matt shares a little and Phil shares a little, suddenly now you've got, you know, three times the knowledge and you got it in the same amount of time yeah. working as working by yourself. So. Yeah. That's the reason we all need to work together because believe me, there's there's plenty of people out there that'll watch us. They'll watch all of us. They're not going to just watch one of us and ignore the rest. Yeah, uh, and I think that note even hits back on the importance of community. Yeah, and and even taking community to a next level of like what you see in other industries of masterminds, right? <laughs> Is like. There are such a limited number of people creating content and trying to educate and influence in our industry that Mm -hmm. what if all of those guys got together, guys and girls got together and shared like what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. You're really big on YouTube. I don't touch YouTube. I'm really big on LinkedIn. (laughs) You're really, you know, there is such a, there's such a diversity in platforms and types of content and what you're educating on that Mm -hmm. the power of collaboration in that sense is huge. Just like I preach the power of collaboration in the industry Yeah. of like, look, if you're a scanner guy and you're having trouble with accuracy, get with a surveyor. Yep. If you're a survey guy that has good accuracy, but you don't scan yet, get a scanner guy. Yeah. Like don't fight each other and say, you should be doing it. No, I should be doing it. Like, don't be be good at what you do be good at your thing and then do it good and if you need the other find somebody good to work with right 100 (laughs) percent, 100 percent. i mean the amount of times i run into a survey company that has a a drone in the closet full of dust because they are trying to run their drone program i tell them you don't have a drone program i'm sorry you just don't you either hire an expert that knows what they're doing that's going to guide you or sub the work out to someone that does this kind of work. You know, I've worked with a lot of surveying companies that just, hey, you know what, Rami, just take care of this aerial mapping project for me. I fly it, I process the data, I give it to them. They're happy, they're excited, and it costs them less money than trying to get their intern to figure it out. Yep. Right. It's not the intern's fault. Yeah. It's, it's not his. It's not his job or her job to do that. You know. So 
delegate the work to someone, collaborate with them, work with them, 100%. Mm, mm, mm. All right, we're going to take a little turn. Um, you've done some fun projects. I have. you have any you can, you can tell us about? Um, any fun projects that I can tell you about? Yeah, like anything you've done with, with technology where you're like doing some testing or... Well, I can share this. Um, last September, I was in Cairo, Egypt, and um, I was attending my brother-in-law's wedding, right? Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so I, I had my iPhone with me, obviously, and I wanted to go to the pyramids just because you're in Cairo. Like, you got to go to the pyramids, go. right? Yeah. Who doesn't? And <laughs> I, I thought to myself, you know, what would be cool is if I could just scan the pyramids. Right. I don't have any RTK corrections. I don't have any survey control points. I just have my iPhone with me and I know it has good relative accuracy. So I said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just scan and, you know, get some data for the pyramids. So I was only able to get like the base of the I got the three sides of the large pyramid, the Lufru pyramid. Um, and then I think I got one side of the, the, the medium sized pyramid, the Lufru pyramid. Uh, that was all that was really available. I mm. couldn't really get into the other ones. Yeah. But anyways, I had this data. I thought it was cool. Whatever. So I go home and um, I was talking to my advisor and I was telling him, you know, hey, I did this, this and this. He goes, you know, what would be really cool is if you presented at the ISPRS conference in Cairo next year. <laughs> I was like, really? He goes, yeah. I said, OK, cool. So he goes, yeah, just find some reference data and compare your data to it and, you know, do some statistical analysis. And I think you have a good, you know, publication and presentation. So now came the question, where do I get reference data of the pyramids? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out. Somebody has it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it turns out in 2004, uh, Regal surveyed the pyramid, mm. the big pyramid, and he surveyed the Sphinx. And they documented all of that data and made it accessible to the public so mm. the pyramids are not going to change they haven't changed for i don't know how many thousands of years so in the 20 years between my survey and regal's survey um can i compare the iphone's lidar sensor to a laser scanner from 2004 mm. absolutely so I'm currently working on that. I'm oh, that's currently cool. trying to um, show the 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 accuracy levels of like the pyramid, you know, as much as I can do some analysis work with it. And I think it's going to be incredible. So um, I'll be talking more in depth about that uh, as I kind of finish up my research and then present in Cairo uh, September of 2023. That's so, going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that's a that's a unique one. Not everybody gets to go. Uh pull their phone out and scan the pyramids. I know, right? It was, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very blessed. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I appreciate the uh, comparison stuff that you're doing too. We did, um, we did just a couple webinars on some comparisons. Mm -hmm. um, one of our first was iPhone. Nice. It was, Perfect. Um, it was, it, it also was one of our biggest, um, really, I guess, whatever you want to call it, social media campaigns, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> sharing data around that on LinkedIn back when it first came out was massive. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that is still one of the most important things. When I look at all the tools in our community, 
in reality capture, when you look at aerial LIDAR, photogrammetry from drones, photogrammetry from ground, terrestrial laser scanners, iPhones, mobile laser scanners, if we don't have good comparison data between different tools, people who are just now deciding to purchase a piece of equipment don't really know which one to pick. Right. And the other thing that's interesting about all of these tools is they're being adopted through every industry for different reasons mm -hmm. and different use cases. So if you're in entertainment and you're doing it because you want to map a movie set, okay, well, how accurate does that data need to be? Do, what does it need to be structured data or unstructured data? Yep. Does it, are you converting it into meshes or models? Are you like, what does the whole workflow look like just for that entertainment job? Yeah. And then you have to break that down for everything else too. Okay, that's entertainment. What about a hospital that's doing above ceiling mechanical work? Mm -hmm. What about an airport? What about roads and bridges? Like that is one of the things that I think is so much more complex than people realize. You got to look at what the final product is. I think we get so caught up in like accuracy and how well does it perform and what's the proper setup. And, you know, ultimately you got to create a product and that product needs to satisfy a customer. Mm -hmm. This is the business side of this, you know, and you have to look at it at the business side because if the customer says, oh, it only has to be within two or three feet, why yeah. should I go through the trouble of making my data super accurate? Yeah. And this is coming from a surveyor. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, if your client is telling you, I only need this within two or three feet, go get USGS data. You yeah. know, why Why spend all the resources collecting high accuracy data when your client doesn't need it? Yep. Chances are they're going to send the bid out and someone's going to respond with that mindset and offer a much lower cost than you. You're going to lose the job because yeah. you're not using the right tools. Yep. So you got to be smart and understand what the product is. And if it's a movie set, accuracy really isn't the biggest priority. So don't get so caught up yeah. in the accuracies and in how the data is collected. Focus on what the end result is going to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the the part that I think it, where the accuracy discussion still come becomes important is like most of the projects that we see are within the construction space. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are trying to, even when they talk about what deliverable they wanna to get to, um, let's take a, a large warehouse, for example. Mm -hmm. So somebody is purchasing this warehouse and it's gonna go through a complete renovation. And so they don't have existing as-builts and they're going to be fabricating steel and installing new uh, expansion onto it. They want an as-built model of that building to start the design from. The best way to do that is to go out and first capture it with scanning. But what type of scanner? What type of scanner will get to the quarter inch or eighth of an inch accuracy in certain areas that they want to hit? Can that scanner get to that accuracy without integrating survey control? Mm -hmm. That right there is where I think there's a, a big need for more education. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy to... Um, when you look at the bigger the bigger level stuff of like, hey, low accuracy, great. Pretty much any tool will work for it. Like go use the iPhone, go use the, but when you look at the different types of construction projects and higher accuracy needs, I think that's where there's still a big miss of the people who know how to do the lower accuracy jobs 
try to take on the higher accuracy ones without that deeper level knowledge. And I think we need more, more deeper education content around like, what is the accuracy of a full registration with no survey control mm -hmm. versus when you integrate it? Absolutely. What does that do to my data? Mm -hmm. Does it help with the accumulated error from terrestrial scanning or is it just moving the position of it? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. They don't realize when you try to incorporate survey control, there is a difference between moving the data positionally and then actually changing the relative positions of the points inside of the data set. Mm -hmm. um, and that only comes through education. I mean, yep. I've seen CEOs of mapping companies go on stage, give a great talk, and then a question from probably a surveyor, ask them about the difference between relative and accurate, uh, relative and uh, absolute accuracy, and they get stumped. Yeah, They're like, accuracy is accuracy. And anyone in that room that understands those terms will know that this individual is not educated about that. Yeah. So that's a very surface level you know topic but it, it's the overall image or the overall picture i should say is yeah we we really need to make sure that we don't bite off more than we can chew mm -hmm. if you're knowledgeable in collecting mass amounts of data that don't necessarily have that accuracy you are useful in many applications but few are going to bid on a job that requires accuracy hire a surveyor to consult you yeah 100 percent. i think we need to make some more content around that soon oh yeah all right. Well, thanks for joining us. I think uh, this won't be the last time I think people see us talking together. No, I hope I hope we continue this conversation. I mean, I, I loved being here. You guys are incredible. Um, the entire RCN team, you know, you guys are so hospitable. And uh, uh, thank you so much for hosting me here. And uh, I hope to be back very soon.